does it mean to be UMC? Each episode of this podcast series explores that question with clergy and laity at the East Ohio Conference sharing stories of how lives are being transformed through the ministries of the United Methodist Church. This is Storyboard, Faith, Witness, Transformation. Welcome to another episode of Storyboard, Faith, Witness, Transformation. And in today's episode, we're going to dive into one of the four pillars of BUMC. We built this podcast around these four pillars, and each episode we dive into uh, stories about what it means to be UMC. And we decided that it was about time that we really dive into each of these four pillars and what exactly they are. And so on this episode, we've gathered around the table some of the members of our conference staff, and they represent some clergy, some laity. And we're going to dive into each of these four pillars. And today I'm joined to my right. We have Reverend Beth Ortiz, and she's going to take the mic today and take over some hosting duties and guide our discussion on what it means to be disciple makers. So Beth, how are you doing this morning? I am well. Thanks, Brett. All right. So Beth, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and then you can guide us as to who else is sitting around the table with us. All right. That sounds great. Well, I am, uh, as Brett said, I am Beth Ortiz and I'm an elder in East Ohio and I'm uh, delighted to be currently appointed in the Connectional Ministries Office in Strategic Ministries. And uh, I have three of my co-workers around this table with me and I'll just let them introduce themselves as they see fit. I'm Gary Jones and I'm a deacon in the Methodist Church. And current appointment is uh, Director of Spiritual Formation in the Connectional Ministries Office. I'm Will Fenton Jones. I'm the Director of Multicultural Ministries. I'm a layperson, and I've been here since about 2017. And I'm Reverend Ed Fashbaugh. I'm the Executive Director of Connectional Ministries, and it's great to be here with my team. Well, that's awesome. Well, and as uh, Brett said, today we're talking about disciple making. And I think I, I can't speak for my coworkers around the table, but I think sometimes people think about us as program staff. But really at the heart, we are about stewarding the vision of East Ohio and the mission of the United Methodist Church, which is, of course, at its heart about disciple making. And yet I, I think it's really a pretty elusive concept sometimes on what it means to live as a disciple, uh, what it means, what is even a disciple, and certainly then how to be disciple making uh, per se. And so as we talk about disciple making, part of discipling, I would say, is as we all seek to live our own call that God has for us. And sometimes people think that's clergy only language, but that's certainly, I think, for everyone. So as um, I'm curious for those around here to share as members of Connectional Ministry Office, what does it look like for you to be somebody who is a disciple yourself following God's call? You know, as uh, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking of like an old David Crowder song, like uh, <laughs> back from the early 2000s. The, uh, it's Come and Listen, and it's this um, intro song to one of his albums, I think, A Collision. And it's kind of like this invitation of, hey, come come and listen, come to the water's edge, come and see what Jesus has done for me, what he's done for you, what he's done for us. And, uh, you know, as you're just talking about disciple making, I'm like, that's basically it for me is how do I 
ask people to, Hey, come and listen or come and see, come and experience, come and do whether that's like in my job portfolio, Hey, come to this event and, and learn something new or come do an ecumenical advocacy day in Columbus and, and see what that's like. It's like a, Hey, come and listen and let's uh, experience this life and path together. It's great. Well, I, uh, <laughs> being a disciple to me means being a follower of Jesus. And, you know, the thing is, is that I've, I've been a disciple, follower of Jesus, a Christian since I was uh, 14 years old. And I have to tell you, it's changed enormously all through those years. Now, one of the things that for me, I, I believe the scriptures are are helpful in so many ways to show us exactly what that means. And I believe that Jesus tells us to do basically six things. I'm sure we could, if we brainstorm, we'd come up a whole lot more. But I think what Jesus said for his followers is to do this, to love God, to love others, be compassionate, be merciful, be forgiving, be not judgmental. No, those those things are core to what I'm trying to be as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. And I've got a ways to go. But I do believe this. And this is what I've learned uh, over the last several years. Years ago, I used to people I'd hear people say, you know, I don't tell people about Jesus by what I say. I tell them about Jesus by what I do. And I thought that was fine, you know, but you eventually you got to talk about it. But then if no one's ever asking them about why they follow Jesus, maybe we're not following Jesus that carefully. And so I look at these six things that Jesus tells us, and I believe that they're so essential because in, we're not in a loving world. We're not in a compassionate world. We're in a world that doesn't show mercy. We're in a world that judges everything. And so when we act opposite the world, we do show a more excellent way. Maybe if I can do that more, people will ask me about why I'm compassionate or why I'm forgiving. And then I can share about what it means to follow Jesus. Well, I think too, I mean, sometimes I feel like we've, we've kind of limited discipling or acting like Jesus to, to worship to an hour on Sunday or to particular calls, you know, well, you're called as a deacon or an elder, or uh, maybe you're a lady, but it's your full-time job. Uh, But this really is kind of living out being a disciple is is somewhat kind of making disciples of ourselves on an ongoing process. And that is just something we're all called to do. I mean, I think of people like like Mr. Rogers, who just really was living out there and I mean, he had a children's TV show and there's so many different examples of how you could do that. And yet I think you could really say that he was living out his call as a disciple and people did ask him about it. And I think what's really interesting, too, is when they started that, uh, they actually said this this is going to be bad TV. Like that's literally yeah. the feedback they got about setting yeah. up uh, Mr. Rogers and he didn't care and he just continued to follow his call. And so I think that's really important too, to keep in mind people uh, like Mr. Rogers, who everybody loves and just how he was able to live out his, his kind of discipling and how well really he discipled others, maybe without even knowing that they were doing it. They were just learning how to love your neighbor how do you do these? How does it look down to some of the things he did, like putting his feet in the water with an African-American man on TV when that was really contentious? He just literally he lived it. He talked it. It was amazing. Um, so I just also when I think of disciple making and living it out, I, I just think of people like him, too. Well, it does tell me, though, that, you know, everybody does things differently. You know, some people may think Mr. Rogers is is awesome and a great example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, and for other people, it, you know, a whole different example. I think what it is, is that we don't put things in a box, but we just keep on remembering that 
in our own unique way, we're called to follow Jesus and that will have an impact on someone else. Right. But when they ask, we got to be ready to, to, to talk about what about Jesus is important to us and how Jesus transformed us. Thank you, Beth. Yeah, I think that is really frustrating, Edwin, because uh, a, a lot of people do take like disciple making and try and put it in a box. Well, this is exactly what it means. And and, it you know, there's baptism that comes up as part of the conversation or, you know, quoting exact scripture. And this is the way it's got to be. I don't think that's part of our Methodist heritage, really. And as Beth, you're sharing about Mr. Rogers, you know, I was thinking about Sesame Street. And, you know, it's not a stated, you know, it's not a Christian program by any means, but they're living out some values that I think align with our faith. And and to me, it's like provenient grace a little bit. And it's like looking for where God is at work in our world is part of discipleship for me. You know, it's not necessarily doing it into, oh, it's got to be a Christian program and it's got to be this or that and try and put it in a box. It's like, hey, how can we explore what God's calling us to do together, even though it's Mr. Rogers or maybe it's Sesame Street or or something completely different? I agree with everything you all said. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I, I the spiritual formation, which is, you know, what I do, that definition is really the the day-to-day -day relationship building between myself and, and God through Christ. Those practices that I do, those things that I do throughout the day, so that my heart, my mind become transformed to be more like Christ and a whole lot less of me. And so that's what people see as I interact with people throughout my world, you know, here at work, it's, it's one thing. And then out in the world there, they need to see it. We can't necessarily talk about Jesus everywhere we go, but they should see it. They should know something's different and want to know so that, you know, they can explore that. And one of the things that I, I, when I talk about spiritual formation and disciple, being a disciple, um, I talk a lot about it, it's a relationship. And if you're not nurturing that relationship with you and God and, and helping it to grow and you're not transforming, it, it's not a, it's not a vital relationship. And so if you're, if you're not relationship building with God first, then you're not, you know, you're not going to grow. You're going to stagnate. And like any relationship, if you don't put time and effort into it, then it's, it's not a, it's a, it's going to falter. And the same thing, um, I always give this example when I talk about it. When I was a kid, there was a, there was a Salvation Army preacher every Christmas who had literally had a soapbox that she stood on on the corner in the small town I grew up in with her floppy Bible and, and, you know, pointed at it and preached at us and scared the snot out of me as a kid about, you know, you, you all need Jesus and all the, the, that kind of, of talk, which is all true. But my family, my dad and my, my mom, we'd walk to the other side of the street and get by so we didn't have to interact. And I'm like, those days are gone. If you don't have a relationship with somebody and haven't earned the right for them to see Christ in you and, and, and you haven't earned the right to talk to them about your relationship with Christ, you're not going to get anywhere. So it's, it really comes down to where are you personally in your walk? And then who are you earning the right to, to share Christ with? You got to be in relationship with people.
That reminds me of that book, Sticky Faith, where you have to, you know, people want young people in their churches or they're wondering where all the young people have gone. And Sticky Faith is just about that. You know, who yep. are you in relationship with? And most people probably don't know that uh, as a kid, I grew up in the conference and Gary, <laughs> you were on staff and, you know, mm-hmm. I got to interact with you was a camp director, a um, camp counselor yep. in the early 2000s. And, and partially, I think, because of your <laughs> just relationship and influence. And when I was in high school, Ed was on staff and I was on the conference council on youth ministries and Ed's leadership had like a direct relationship impact, I think, on leadership skills. And and um, I wouldn't have ever seen myself kind of coming back or working for the East Ohio Conference. And yet here I am, work, you know, sitting next to two people who had a relationship cool. with me as a young person. So I think, you know, I think it's a great example about what you're talking right. about. Sticky faith. I'd like to also note that Will just clarified oh, yeah, uh, the I generational did. difference here. And <laughs> if you if you all wanted to know, you know, I'm not old enough to play into Will's call story. Well, we we went on a mission trip together that you reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, and, and then like two years later, Will was like, "Oh wait, I yeah, do remember that. I, <laughs> I was lying before." Uh, I, that really strikes me, uh, you know, this idea, yeah, that we are, I love the language, we need to earn the right to speak into people's lives. And and some of that is just by living a dis, as a disciple. I think there's also that you have to have depth in your own discipleship uh, to help others come along. And so there's also this commitment to God and ourselves in it. So it's, it's I feel like discipleship, as you laid it out, as, as we've been laying it out, is really... It's also just about relationship with God, but then from that grows our relationship with others um, and this kind of connectedness, which is, I mean, our connectedness and how we see our need for each other is something I think is really important. This is not a do-it-yourself deal. I know a lot of times people uh, might reach out or, or as they're on their journey collectively as a church and be interested in, you know, uh, seeing a different future than they're necessarily seeing. And sometimes our conversation comes back to discipleship and and that if you don't have deep discipleship within your leaders and in your church, then it's really hard for there to be any programmatic fix per se. So I would say I'm kind of curious as, as you guys have worked around the conference and where have you seen kind of a church that's really focused on Christ and really amazing in discipleship and, and where that's led? I've got one. I went to, are we naming the church, like calling them out? It's a positive, I right? I was going to say, I don't, yeah, it's I a positive. I went and spoke at Andover UMC. Jason Hochran's there. And I had like three or four people come up to me, you know, welcoming me to the church, which in itself is cool. Um, just having like a robust hospitality program, but said like, hey, I'm a lay servant or like I'm a lay speaker and it was like identifying their ministry in the church. And I just thought that was so cool. Like what, well, one, you know, it like fits into our institutional (laughs) idea, you know, like, Hey, let's get people through the certification. But really it was more like they had, they knew what their kind of role was in the church and they had like a position and they were living into that calling in their lives as lay people. So I just thought that was so cool. So shout out to the Andover. Well, and and just to pick up on that, I wasn't going to name any particular church, 
but the churches where they've done the discipleship work, they've trained people to have their own personal relationship with, with Christ. And they've, they've practiced spiritual disciplines and folks really do have a deep and vibrant discipleship of their own. That's when they discover that, oh, I do have a call this direction to be a certified lay minister or to run a, uh, you know, an outreach program, giving um, food and things to the community because I'm passionate about that. And I, I think part of the discipleship process for everybody is when we when we grow in that relationship, you know, Christ starts to work in our hearts to give us a passion about something, some form of ministry. We're not all called the same direction as, as, as we've all said, but in that discipleship process, then that kind of grows and you, you, you know, the Holy Spirit puts in your heart, you have a passion for that. So you're going to do that. And the churches that are really pushing that that uh, personal devotional walk and then support people when they come forward and say, you know what, I have a real passion for, you know, and empower them to go do that. Okay. Gather folks who also have that same passion and go, you know, we don't, it doesn't have to become the church's mission to do your passion. It's your call to do your passion and go do it. No, I think that's great. I, you know, we absolutely have churches call us and uh, they're struggling. And I think one of the myths is, is that, and Beth, you alluded to this, that if we just find the right program or we just replicate what's happening over there, then that's going to help us or we're going to be this way or that way. And the reality is, if we're not doing the hard work of discipleship, of really helping each other discover what it means to follow Jesus in our lives, then the programs may have a minimal impact. But what we've seen over the years is there's no duration. And and that's the struggle. I mean, Jesus laid it out really, I think, in an important way when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else falls into place. And really, in, in connectional ministries, that's what we want to do is help churches seek the kingdom of God in their area. And so when I think of churches that are doing this, I think of in terms of, you know, we're a very diverse conference as far as rural and urban and, and suburban. And so I think of churches like the Five Points Parish. He's doing a great job with discipleship, I, and and that's in the Firelands District. I see um, in uh, Three Rivers District, you have Isleta and Fresno, two churches that are, are near Newcomerstown that do a phenomenal job of discipleship. I think of Crossroads in Canton, Ohio, and um, Garfield Memorial and Pepper Pike. And these are just four. But these are four churches that where there is, discipleship is put in action. And people have an opportunity then to really literally be the hands and feet of Christ. And when people ask and they do, they can share with them why that is. So this this is just kind of the mantra is how can we listen to how the spirit is leading us in our particular area of where God has put us? When I think uh, where God is leading us is for me, where I see churches that that when that's their attitude uh, and engagement, I don't know what it's going to be, but I feel like they're going to do something amazing when it's not just about, well, how do we get more people here on Sunday or how do we get more youth to come to our youth group? But rather the question of we know God needs youth. So how can we get out to where they are? Or, you know, I feel called to this area. Let I'm going to go out and my congregation is going to support me. Um, this idea more of that it's not for us to come and just have this insular worship experience on Sunday morning, but rather that that 
the church is a place that fills us, yes, but fills us so we can go out and live as as transformed people in in the whole world. And so yeah, I I just I love it when I when I get this opportunity and I have to say I've I've been blessed to have it a lot of people who aren't concerned about themselves, meaning themselves personally and, and my personal preference or their collective self and it's not just about all how do we how do we survive or or how sometimes I when somebody's willing to give up a ministry that's beloved to them because they realize it's time for another ministry to come forward. I think that's such an amazing example of discipleship that I'm going to give up something that's beloved to me because I know God's calling us somewhere else right now. I think those are just, they're, they're bittersweet moments, but what comes afterwards is just so amazing. So how would a congregation, do you think, know if they're disciple making or not? Definitely the number of WWJD bracelets that people <laughs> wear, I think. In, in case anybody's not aware, uh, Will is is utilizing something called sarcasm right now. <laughs> I'm going to have to think about your question more. <laughs> what was your question? I was trying to figure out how to work in a WWJD joke, and, and that seemed like the opportune moment. Yeah. Can you restate it? Uh, how, how will a church know if, if they're being disciple making or maybe if they've got some growth in this area? Yeah. You know, I kind of I kind of thought about this. As as you gave us a question earlier is, you know, when we talk about those those kind of funny little things that say, you know, you're in United Methodist if <laughs> it takes a year and several committees to change the light bulb. Right. So, you know, you may not be Christ centered church if you focus more on the building than on the community around you. I think you might uh, may, may not be a f- focused on it when you're you, you're more focused on members preferences than on uh, exp- exploring and meeting needs of people in the community who are not yet in the church. And I think if we uh, if we have more uh, people serving on committees and coming to Bible studies, m- maybe we need to rethink uh, about our focus. So, you know, those are just a few things that we do. I, you know, it's amazing to me over all the years I've been in ministry, how much focus is put on a building. That That is... You know, it, it's as if that was God's purpose for us is to go and build buildings. But, you know, I have searched the scriptures. I've really studied Jesus. I don't think Jesus ever said go and build buildings. But I don't know. You guys can correct me. I think he said go and make disciples. Will? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll just add in terms of the buildings, like we have them now. And I think there's some really great examples of reusing building space, being willing to you know, so it, there's like the spirit of wanting to hold on to the resource as our own, as opposed to like a tool for ministry. And, um, you know, you mentioned Canton for all people, Crossroads UMC in downtown Canton, kind of re revitalizing their worship and uh, discipleship programming by uh, being creative about their uh, building usage and space. And, you know, I see a lot of churches that just, you know, have Sunday morning worship and, you know, even their education kids wings are used just for Sunday mornings. And so it's like, yeah, where, where's God calling us into something new to maybe reuse those buildings for something else? No. And, and I want to be clear. It's not about judging churches just so we get locked into a certain way of, of thinking right. and being and doing. And, and again, you know, it, it takes energy to break out of that. And it takes, a, I think it takes bold and courageous people to help churches do that who are attending there right now. Yeah. Yep. 
I agree. I think it's that internal versus external focus. If if we exist in this community to reach out to the community and help them meet needs and, and be a better community, that's that's you know, that's what we need to be. But if we end up just getting internally focused and well, I would like this and I, I would like a different time for that, or I didn't like this and I would like it to be like this because it's my preference. And we're not we're not taking into account that the community needs this. It's not about us. It's about the people out there that we're supposed to be making disciples with. And, you know, it's that internal versus external focus. And it's really easy to slip from being externally focused on the community and upon those folks who need to know Christ who don't and taking care of our own needs and making sure our own needs are met and our building is what I want it to be versus what the community needs. I thought of uh our, our vision, part of our East Ohio Conference vision, the newer people, younger people, more diverse people. And it's, you know, what you're saying, thinking externally, like, are you interacting with new people? Are you making new friends, you mm-hmm. know, in a sense, like, are you learning someone's name? And if if we're internally focused, we're not having those interactions or touch points with new people to uh, to introduce them to, you know, what God's done for us or who Jesus is. So I think there's definitely an aspect of that. One of the markers being, are you, are you engaging in new spaces with new people? Are you even, are you meeting new people? And that's challenging. You know, mm-hmm. we get into our routines, our habits, we go to the same places and it's hard to make friends. I mean, as right. a parent of like a four-year-old and two-year-old, you like teach them, hey, introduce yourself. What's your name? You know, now ask their name. But then I won't introduce myself to like the the other parent <laughs> that's there. You know, yeah. it's like, it's really hard to find play, ways mm-hmm. to meet new people. Yeah. I, as we're talking, I was just thinking of Howland uh, United Methodist Church has an incredible outreach sports ministry. And they're, they're providing a service to the community that doesn't have that for everybody. But but they're also really clear that it's about, as Gary was saying, earning the right to be heard. So, yes, it, it provides an opportunity for evangelism in the context of, of relationships. And and really, you know, they're using their building and they, they were able to build an addition uh, several years ago to do that. But they're using it as a tool, like you, like you were saying, Will. And that, if we could just remember, this is a tool, and and that it's to be used uh, for our our mission. That that could be an amazing just growth right there. So as we come to the end of this uh, podcast on disciple making, realizing that we have barely scratched the surface on anything dealing with discipleship because it's it's not easy. It's a, I think in some ways maybe it's simple and on the surface, but it's certainly not easy to live. But also recognizing that no matter where maybe you see yourself or your church on this path of are we disciple making or not, that it's always our call to move forward. So maybe you're more at the beginning step and and maybe you've been a little more internally focused or maybe you've, you're doing pretty well, but we're all called uh, to continue on this journey of discipling. So I'm just curious, kind of last words of as as folks are, are on this journey collectively and individually, kind of what's the, the word you would give them on how to persevere or the word of hope you might have for them? 
And I'll start uh, since I'm the only one who knew this question was coming. And I would just say, uh, dedicate yourself in prayer um, and, and not just talking to God, but listening uh, because prayer is just so foundational and it is an action. So don't rush past it on your way to fix things for God. God's got plenty of this in hand, but I would say, so I'd say pray, take time to intentionally pray all along the ways, collectively, individually. And then most of all, I just, I think about, uh, verse in Thessalonians about do not quench the spirit. I think that sometimes as as disciples, uh, sometimes we misstep because we, we say what God can't do in this world. So do not quench the spirit. I think that's good. And I think it, it does us all remember, whether we're talking about connectional ministries, our local church or our district work, that that it's not our job to fix things. We know the church is struggling. We know that we're facing all kinds of challenges. But we have to remember, again, our job isn't to fix it. Our job is to follow Jesus. And when we can follow Jesus, I think the fixing is going to take care of itself. It sounds simplistic, but I really believe that is so key as we're people of prayer, people of faith, people that will follow Jesus. And so I just want to encourage people, you know, here's our hope. Our hope is Jesus. If we can if we can gather together and help each other grow in, in discipleship, I think we will see amazing things happen. I had a wise Bible study teacher who who told us every whenever we started Bible study would say, "All right, now um, tell us where you've seen God active in your world in the last twenty four hours." Hmm. And um, she was really, uh, you know, her whole point was if you haven't act, if you can't actively share a testimony of God where you've seen God or God has interacted in in your your life and in your world in the last 24 hours, then you're not in the right place. And you need to work on that relationship and your your own mindset and your own heart. And I think that's something that could be something we ask ourselves every day. You know, where did I see God today? Um, what was my God moment we used to do with the kids? But also it's something that if you're in relationship at church with each other, challenge, challenge each other when you're together. Come to your meeting, come to your uh, worship service, whatever, and let people share. Where where did you see God active in the last 24 hours? Share a testimony because it really does, it changes your mindset and, and helps you focus on your own personal discipleship, which will enhance the discipleship of everyone. I'd encourage people to listen to people's stories, uh, listen to your communities stories and where people are hurting, listen to marginalized communities. One of my favorite parts of kind of our communion liturgy is, is sort of the prayer of confession uh, where it says, you know, we've not heard the cry of the needy, forgive us, we pray. And that always sticks out to me as like, where have I missed, you know, hearing or seeing the opportunities to, to do unto others. Uh, So that's that would be my encouragement. Listen to listen to people's stories. Thank you, gentlemen, uh, for joining me in this podcast, and certainly thanks to anybody who has been listening. 
And I just want to say, I think I can speak for all of us as those in our Connectional Ministry office, that we are happy also to walk with you as you journey on discipling. We love to be there with churches and individuals that are uh, trying to follow God's call and vision uh, for them as a community. And so as we all work together on discipling and as we all work on our own selves and discipling, we look forward to hopefully doing that together. All right. Thank you, Beth. And uh, again, thank you all for joining me around the table and for this uh, fantastic discussion on making disciples. And I very much look forward to our next discussion that we'll have together next time. And for those of you listening at home, I pray that this has been very beneficial and encouraging for you, that you will take this uh, this great discussion, this, this great idea, and the ideas that were shared around this table into your own life and into your own churches, and that you will be encouraged that you'll be inspired and challenged to make disciples in your own churches, in your own homes, and that you'll join us next time for our next pillar. You can learn more about the East Ohio Conference by visiting our website at www.eocumc.com or by finding us online at Facebook at facebook.com eocumc on Instagram at EOCUMC or on Twitter at East Ohio UM.